In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an amazing guest here with me. She's another Shiptare, which if you guys aren't Albanian, that means it's another Albanian in the house, and she's in construction, and she's so freaking amazing. I can't wait for you guys to meet her. Greta, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited for this. (laughs) Can you tell I'm freaking jumping out of my seat excited because I'm like, she's a young female in construction, and she's Albanian. Like, what? And she's awesome. Everyone's like, how the hell weren't you two connected before? It's like, I, know. I don't know. I don't. I have no idea. But I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm so glad to meet you. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I'm pumped because I heard snippets of your story. And I was like, oh, man, she's unreal. So you've got quite a background. Now you're in the construction world. You've got your own company. You're an entrepreneur doing all these amazing things. Now, what inspired you on your journey to really where you are today? <laughs> Well, if we if we must be candid, I mean, getting out of poverty <laughs> is what inspired me to be here today. I don't think I'm very raw and honest with myself and my story. It's not like I planned to be here in construction. Um, if you had told me that this was going to be my my opportunity ticket, I probably would have told you you're just silly. You don't know what you're talking about. But anything else, I had this drive to better my life and better my finances for me and my daughter. I was a young mom. I had my daughter in my first year in college, so. I wanted to better my life and her life. So what really inspired me to get here was just that. I mean, I just wanted to have financial freedom. And with that purpose in mind, I decided to apply some skills along the way, uh, which led me to the world of construction. I love that. And so like, I always ask this question, like, what did you want to be when you grew up as a kid? Of course, I wanted to be (laughs) a political advocate and I wanted to like journal and go around the world helping and advocating for lesser than people. I think part of that was because I grew up in Albania in a time of war. You know, I witnessed the 97, 98, I witnessed the Kosovo tragedies. So being raised and seeing that as a child, I was like, I'm going to go to America. I'm going to become like a big time lawyer. And I'm going to go to like all these countries and like represent diplomacy. (laughs) That didn't happen. (laughs) That's okay. No, I mean, you are, I mean, we'll get to that later, but like the mission that you're working on through your show, like you've got a lot of amazingness happening. You're not far from that, which is super exciting. Whoa. All right. So, so walk me through. So you grew up in Albania. Yes, I did. I grew up in, I was born in Flora, Albania, but I grew up in Tirana, Albania because my mom was a doctor. So it was a great life growing up, but people always ask what's Albania's life. And I think Albania is an incredible place where you are intellectually rich, but financially poor. I don't think intellectually we ever lacked anything. There was always poetry, literature, theater, math, whatever you wanted. You know, there's always such a hunger for everything that life had to give, but financially we were poor. And we were okay with it. It was it was the norm, you know, like ice cream just on the weekends, not every day, like in your fridge. What? That's a, But I mean, times have changed. It's yeah. not like that in Albania today, but it was like that when I was growing up. That's crazy. So when did you leave Albania? 
I left Albania when I was 10. We moved right here in Massachusetts. We were in Worcester. We went to Worcester, not because we knew anybody, but because it was one of the largest Albanian populations. And my mom had heard through the grapevine that like Albanians go to Worcester. And she's like, we have to go somewhere where we know somebody. And, you know, I was so hungry for everything America stood for. And I still am. I remember growing up and watching on TV you know, American movies, American shows, uh, what America stood for, the freedom, right? The opportunity. And I remember setting foot at Logan Airport and just being so excited. I only knew three sentences. How are you? What is your name? How old are you? So I would ask it to everybody. And I remember the border patrol, they were like, you don't have to ask your age <laughs> to an older man. And I had no idea what he was saying, but I just knew he didn't want to answer the question. That's so fun. We have so many parallels. It's crazy. So I was born in Tirana. I like left there when I was six months old. So I, we moved to Rome and from Rome, we came to the United States. So, but I've spent some time there in Tirana, but it's like crazy. It's like to know that like, that's where you came from and now you're here. Like, it's just like yeah. so amazing. So as you were talking about Logan airport, I remember like coming here and just like freaking out because people weren't saying my name the right way. They were like, <laughs> my name is Pamela, not Pamela or Pam. You know, I'm like a five-year-old that's like, I'm like screaming at my mom, like, mom, dad, they're not saying my name right. Like, this is like, I was like losing my mind, right? And then I didn't know any English. I had Albanian and then I had Italian and I was just like losing my myself. And I'm like, what the heck? The first day of school, any Albanians will understand this and I'm not going to translate it for X-rated purposes. But I went home the day after like the first day of first grade for me because I was five. So they they didn't even put me in kindergarten. They're like, no, you're going to first grade. Like, Bye. <laughs> So I jumped right in and like, I came home and I was like, I was like, mom, look at all the words that I, you know, mom, dad, like, look at all the words that I learned today. And one yeah. of them was car. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was like, what? <laughs> what did they teach you? I was like, what did you oh, learn today? I was like, oh my God. Just like hilarious little memories that you just remember. Yeah, I remember. I remember those times. My first day in school, I didn't understand anything. It was fifth grade. But I remember when they said we were having pizza for lunch because that was an international word. So I was very excited for lunchtime. That's the only subject I liked. <laughs> you know, speaking of lunch, then we'll get back to your story. But like, I have to say this because Nutella was not big when yes. first mm-hmm. came So I'm eating my Nutella sandwiches at lunch and everyone's like, wow, that looks like crap. I'm like, it tastes so good. And like now I'm like, look at you people. <laughs> like eating, eating my Nutella being obsessed with Nutella but I brought it here first I was the pioneer <laughs> I was eating the sandwiches before all of you that's so funny all these little stories right but they stick with you throughout the year they do. amazing you grew up in Worcester and you went to high school in Worcester yes I did I was a big part of the Albanian community in Worcester I mean I was excited I was just like anybody else I focused most of my time in, a, in academia I wanted to excel in my studies I had a dream of going to law school to continue that dream of political advocacy and I always lined myself up I was the girl that took the advanced placement classes I was the girl that did the volunteering after school I mean I tried to do everything that I knew was needed for that next step in my life but life has a different idea <laughs> always does right always does you went off to you went off to college what was your major at that time well, I didn't quite go off right away because oh. I was uh, surprised in April with a baby inside of me. So all my dreams and all my hardship was paused. You know, it was a very depressing time in, the, in my life. I'm very open about that. It's not like I regretted my daughter. I don't. You know, she's part of my life today. But I regretted my, my choices that led, you know, so I remember being this young girl who's about to go to college now, finds out she's pregnant in an Albanian household, has to face not only her parents, not only her family, but her community as this scarlet letter. And how do you do that? And how do you do that gracefully so you don't feel worthless? 
every day when you face society. And that was the hardest thing for me. So I remember I wanted to go to Suffolk and I had enrolled in Suffolk University. And then I had to unenroll because obviously I couldn't afford, I knew very early on that I wouldn't be able to afford going to a school, paying school, and then raising a child. So I unenrolled and I looked for more affordable universities and the local university in Worcester almost much less. So I decided to enroll into Worcester State University and I still went to college right away that same fall, but it was just a completely different path than the one that I had envisioned for myself. So I quickly had to adjust course and start start a whole new chapter. And I decided that I wouldn't pursue law at that point in time because it just seemed such a far-fetched dream. And I went for something a little bit more subtle. So I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be in business. So I majored in business at that time. That's amazing. That's amazing. And thank you for sharing that about your story. And I always mention this because you just never know who's listening, right? Like, how did you get through those moments where like you felt like you were the scarlet letter? Everything feels like caving in. How did you navigate past that? Yeah, it's important to if anybody listening that it's everybody has a shameful past. Everybody has something behind closed doors, whether you know it or not. And maybe yours is just outside and it's seen, you know, it's publicly faced in society. And You must help yourself either with your own stress reliever and coping methods, or you must seek help. It's really important to to do it. And you can seek help sometimes. And what I found out that you can seek help in strangers. That was something very new to me. Being an Albanian girl, very traditional growing up, I thought that I had to seek help and assistance in my immediate family and my cousins. And it wasn't the case for me because they didn't understand that. But it wasn't that I was so wrong, that I was this person that was just so bad. I was seeking advice in the wrong circle. I had to Mm. go a little bit further out of my circle and find find other people, strangers that were willing to listen to my story, whether it was a school or whether it was, you know, in a networking group, whatever it'd be. Maybe it was somebody in the library that struck up a conversation that say, you know what? No, you're worthy. Like, don't let something that happened just be all that you are. You're so much more. You're still the same Greta. And I remember people saying that you're still the same Greta. I'm like, what does that mean? And then I started to believe it. You know, I'm still the same person. Sure. I may have made a decision that was maybe ill-timed, but I'm still the same person. You know, all, all what that came before and after didn't change who I was as a person. And I think that's the important message to remember that, that everybody has some sort of flaw, but that we don't have to let it define who we were prior or who we are after. I love that. I love that seeking solace with strangers and just surrounding yourself with different people. Like there's support out there and the universe loves you. I tell people that all the time. There are so much more people rooting for you than you can ever imagine. Yeah, exactly. Which is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that, Greta. Like, seriously, I mean, because like, you just never know. In those moments, people get so stuck and so like, oh, how do I get out of this? And like, to know that is super important. So thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. So walk me through like after college, like what you found really, really after that. So after you had your beautiful daughter. (laughs) Yeah. So I went to college with my daughter. I was the crazy student that would take my daughter like everywhere I went on campus, whatever, library. And I was in an entrepreneurship class and I found that I had a calling towards that. Like I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed putting business plans together and coming up with outlines. So I had this perfect business plan. Of course, I'm all being in. So guess what? I had to have a coffee shop. I just had to. So I was like, I'm going to call it Tiramisu Cafe because Tiramisu means pick me up. And, you know, it's pick me up coffee. So Tiramisu Cafe, I was like, it's going to be in Boston. I'm not sure where exactly, but it's going to be super cool. So I, I remember drawing the sketching. I remember doing the business plan. It was just so cool. And my professors loved it so much. They're like, this wins. Like you won. Like you created the perfect business. It's so great. And then I put that on the back burner. And then that summer, I really needed a job, but not many people were hiring because um, it was 2011 and the companies were still coming out post-recession. So I remember going online and people were saying construction foremen, two, two, 200 to 300 dollars a day. 
And my eyes are like, ding, ding. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you remember yourself post-college, like, all you see is dollar bills. You're like, ooh, I, I, don't, I don't even ask, like, how, what are the hours, the requirements? I'm seeing, like, 300. I could work seven days a week. This is pretty awesome. I could work 12 months a year. Like, yes. <laughs> so I, I took the job ad. I applied, and I got hired. I think I got hired not because I knew anything, because I didn't. It's just because I was different. I was like a girl in a construction office asking not to be a sales agent, not to be a marketing, but to be a construction foreman. And they threw me literally in the job the next day. And I had a roofing job. And I remember like it was yesterday where the crew was screaming ice and water shield. And I think they wanted me to go buy more. And that's a leak barrier in roofing. But I didn't know that. I just thought it was like ice and water because it happened to be also June. So I remember going to the supermarket to get them ice and water and not the ice and water shield. (laughs) So I think the guys thought it was cute to have a girl on site until I became a nuisance and uh, we didn't end up finishing the roof that day. So then I realized that like if I had to earn it, right? I had to become part of the crew. I had to go in at nighttime and train and educate myself in the, in the industry and just come to site each day, like owning it so they could respect me. I realized that like the, the glow of having a girl on site wore off very quickly <laughs> when I made my first mistake. <laughs> Because, yeah, you know, it's construction. It's You got to have thick skin. There's profanity at times. It's a lot of high anxiety, high pressure. So if you're not, you know, if you're a girl, you're already at a disadvantage, so to say, if you're too emotional. So I realized that I had to check the emotion at the door mm-hmm. and I had to be one of the guys. Like when we were on site, I was one of the guys. It didn't matter if I was a girl or boy. Like we were all crewmen and or crew people, I should say. <laughs> and we we did our, you know, we did our thing. And that went on for three years. And it wasn't until a little later on that I realized that, hey, what if I created something different? What if I took that tiramisu cafe proposal and turned it into a roofing company? And like, that'd be really cool, right? Because I could like bring customer service, hospitality, like once they enter my home, like I could serve them, you know, that Albanian hospitality trademark. And I said, oh, that's what I'm going to do. So I remember in December sitting down in my mom's house and like crossing tiramisu cafe out and I put golden group roofing. The reason I put Golden Group, people always ask me, is because Golden Group is what built a lot of the Abu Dhabi islands in Dubai. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be like, make something that wasn't there, right? That's so cool. <laughs> it's so funny that your first business plan was a coffee shop. Because that's what I owned first. Like by the time I was 21, I had my yeah. first, my first baby was Ria Cafe, which was like a coffee shop with gelato and all that stuff. That's so awesome. Hilarious. Maybe, like, maybe I'll... Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I'll retire in coffee. We'll do, I'll do the reverse. That's so funny. So first off, because a lot of people ask me this question too, but I stand as the developer. So I haven't like worked on site, right? Like mm-hmm. swing, like you were actually a yeah. forward. Walk me through what that's like. Because so many women were like, oh, I don't know if I can like be, you know, but you were like, yeah, oversensitivity doesn't work with these guys. And I've had the same experience, but you were like a lot more intimate with them, you know, being on site. So what was that like? Like, I mean, at first, like I said, when I opened this podcast, at first I was just excited because I was like, I don't want to lose this job. Like, this is good money. Like, I want to keep this job. So I was like, I have to earn it. I have to work hard. And there was days where I would question everything, days where I would say, maybe this isn't for me. Like, I need to really go back into the job market and look for like a real job. I know I'm saying that real job, but like, you have to understand, I was coming out of college. I had this perception that a real job was like office with a suit. And of course, that's very different now. And I advocate against it, but that's the state of mind I was in. And 
and there was days where I hated my, my job. There was days when I would look at my hands. I was really dirty. I had, um, we had no cleaner sometimes on site and I was the roofing cleaner. I was hauling these debris in a wheelbarrow right into the dumpster. I mean, it's four tons of debris all day that you're pushing into a dumpster. So it was heavy manual labor. My back hurt. I was aching. I was hot. I looked like horrible. I couldn't even recognize myself. I was eating out of a gas station. Anybody that's listening to this that's been in construction knows what that's like. It's like the 7-Eleven diet. You know, the banana nut muffin <laughs> with a drink from the cooler. And then at nighttime, the ramen noodle because they let you use the hot water at the coffee machine. I mean, it was a horrible lifestyle, but I was so much into it that I was confused. I didn't know what to do. Like, do I prove to people that I'm not worthy again and I quit something I've already started? Or do I make something of myself? Because a lot of people were like, I could hear people's rumors, you know, oh, there she goes again, like another failure, you know, again, she wasn't able to, to, to do what her friends did or what others did, or what society expected me to do. Again, I was a failure in the eyes of society. First, because I was untraditional. Second, because, again, I was untraditional. I picked an untraditional career path. I invested time in, in roofing, particularly, something that was very frowned upon. Because if, if you see a girl in roofing, it's usually in marketing. It's not in a construction site, you know, covered in asphalt and <laughs> streak marks in her cheeks. So there was definitely really, really bad days. There were days that were very low for me. And I remember some of the crewmen became my best friend. That's why I say the roofing saved my life. Because a lot of the guys would say, look, Greta, you're already in this. Like, you could either make something of yourself here, like, use the time you've already been here to build from that, or you can just go back, right? And going back doesn't just guarantee success. Right. And I put this metaphorically for people. It's like being a surfer and riding a wave. If you give up in the middle of that wave, you have no control of where that wave takes you. It could either take you to shore or take you to sea you don't have control over it. If you ride the wave, you know that the outcome will be that sunshine. And that's the, that's the mindset that a friend of mine told me metaphorically. And I've always thought of everything I've ever done since that day that way. Like I'm already in the wave. I've already committed to this. And I only see myself coming out of it and seeing sunshine and maybe a few people cheering. I love that. That's something similar to what I always used to think was, I still do. It's like, you know, after every thunderstorm, there's a rainbow, right? But you yeah. got to get through the thunderstorm first. And then at the end of the day, that's amazing. That's amazing, Greta. And like also too, find that like on construction sites, if you respect them, they respect you, right? Absolutely. Like if you hold up, if you hold your end of the weight, they're not going to question you. Like and if you know no. your stuff, you're like, ah, no, this, this, and this. And then they're like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> exactly. Like, Absolutely. It's the key. Cause like some, you know, some women have told me, they're like, I want to be a GC, but like, I'm just nervous. Like, no, you need to like walk in there confident and know your ish because they will call you out on it you know. <laughs> that <laughs> I know I was gonna say that's the that's the conclusion right like if you don't actually know what you're talking about it doesn't matter if you're male or female eventually yep. people will start to call your bluff and there's nothing I always tell myself and any person that asks me there's nothing more sexy than confident people and confident people are only people that know their worth and you don't know your worth unless you have it backed up by something right it doesn't necessarily have to be traditional methods it could be you because you're the craftsman you've been doing for so long it doesn't need to be a certification you don't need to be a coach or you know to be great at it but you do have to have some sort of life skill that backs it up and and proves to people that you are indeed worthy and you know you are indeed confident of that task or craft or talent yeah, absolutely. Because I'm like, listen, if you walk in there confident, and if you're like, no, no, this, this, and this, and you respect people, you pay them on time, like you're never gonna have an issue. But if no. you sit there and you're like, oh, or if you nitpick dealing with guys on sites, yeah. you know how it is. They're like, no, this is good. I'm like, no. <laughs> <You have to laughs> 
work out, you know, but, but when you have that mutual respect, like, you know, for each other, male or female, it really doesn't matter, but you're no, also exactly. like compassionate, you know, cause now you have your own company. So now you're dealing with them like as their boss. Yeah. That's a whole nother thing. So what was it like, like transitioning into your own business? Yeah. I think it takes some serious balls to do that. You're like, first off, starting it and be in it for a while. And then to go yeah. out and say, I want to start my own construction company, my own roofing company. Like that's badass. Like what? <laughs> I remember being a dreamer, right? I remember saying to myself that I want actually like, let's back up for a minute. I actually wanted to franchise my, I, I wasn't this ballsy like that I am today. I essentially just wanted to franchise my boss's company, but he gave me such a bad shark offer that I couldn't take it. So I had to give it up. And I remember telling him that I'm going to give you my four week notice. I'm going to clear out all my production board and I'm going to go try this on my own because, you know, I think, I think I can do it. And I remember him saying, well, you don't have siblings because I don't, I'm an only child, you know, you're first generation immigrant, which I am. I don't have any other family members in the United States and and I remember him saying like like how are you going to get business like nobody knows you you don't exist like how are people going to give you a business and I told him well I wouldn't be a good person to either you or myself if I didn't try because it wasn't just for him it wasn't just about me I knew working for him I would have become miserable so I was doing him a favor too I said I want you to remember Greta as like this bubbly girl that showed up at the construction site at 6 30 talked too much that the guys would be like somebody like shut her up because you know if you know Bingans, we talk a lot and we talk with our hands and we talk loud and we want people to talk loud with us yeah. so yeah I told him I want you to remember me as that like you know and I don't want you to remember me as somebody that was didn't like what they did every single day so I said I'm gonna I'm just gonna try it and I remember I had $15,000 for marketing I did my own website my own logo like you know the usual startup kid of an entrepreneur I had 15 grand and I gave 15 grand at that time to Angie's List and Yelp because they were big and I was like I'm just gonna wait by the phone now <laughs> and I was somebody please call somebody call 15 grand was a lot of money for me I remember no one called for like 20 days 20 days no a single soul called here's 20 days of zero money I'm like what have I done I need to go back ask for my job <laughs> <laughs> like I could ask, I need to go back, like, please hire me. But then like a day later, I'll never forget a gentleman called and he had just moved into the city. He didn't really know many companies, which was in my favor because my name just popped up and he just called That's and awesome. we hit it off. And from that first person in October, by December, we had already had 15 clients. Whoa. That's insane. So, I, I was very excited about that. I remember, I remember saying, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. You know, these were my 15 babies. I made all these 15 people write like reviews on every single channel. Like, can I please videotape you? Can I videotape your home? Like, please, please, please be on my referral. Because the next year I had 15 references, 15 testimonials, 15 reviews. I was, I was like, yes, we are ready to go. That's amazing. That's amazing. You went zero to hundred, like real quick in that first year and you made that investment in yourself which I think is so powerful because so many people like they, it's just like excuse upon excuse as to like why they don't execute on their yeah. dreams right but you were just like I'm just gonna do this like I know I've got it and like you know it's not like it was easy I mean you had your daughter right like and then you don't have a secured income at the time but you still did it you invested that yeah. 50k you built your own website you did your thing right in your mind, like what was inspiring you throughout this whole process, like your mantra? I think what? it's important to note that because a lot of people don't realize like, what do you have to lose, right? I know people say that, but in any state in your life, if you got a lot to lose, then maybe think about it. Maybe for you, maybe you need to think about it. But like for a lot of us, there's a lot of us who don't have anything to lose because maybe because we're miserable in what we're doing or maybe because 
we already have financial steady income coming elsewhere. So again, what do you have to lose? And that's what I kept telling myself, like how much worse could it have gotten? Like it was already pretty bad. It wasn't going to get any worse than that. So I was like, you know what? I have to do it. I have to try because, you know, like I'm working here three years. My boss doesn't want to give me a pay increase. Doesn't want me to front, like doesn't want to really elevate me. What am I going to lose? I'm either going to stay here stale. And I felt like dying at the time, but it was being dramatic or I can try, you know, and if I don't grow here, it's okay because both places I wouldn't have grown, but I have to try, right? Like I have to at least try because what do I have to lose? And I think that's the biggest thing in life. I think if you sit with that mindset of what do I have to lose, you know, then, then you'll always leap further than anybody else. But I think if you do have a lot of lose, then maybe for you, it's something that you have to think. I don't think necessarily everybody's an entrepreneur, right? Like there's a lot of people that do really well working within startup companies and being entrepreneurs. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I always say this. I'm like, regret is far worse than fear. Absolutely. What scares the shit out of me is to think 20 years from now and look back and be like, oh, I wish I did this because you can't get time back. That is the one thing you can never get back. Right. So like I tell I'm like, I'm like, you would rather sit there 10, 15, five, three years from now, a year from now and be like, oh, I wish I did that. Exactly. Feel for you, right? Like, <laughs> that, that, like to know that you don't have that opportunity twice. And it's like when people do tell me, like, "Oh, Pam, will I go about this?" And I'm like, "Well, there's ways to mitigate your risk if you really yeah. want to build your dream, right?" A lot of people Absolutely. start off as a side hustle to begin with, exactly, and then shift their way up. There's ways to do this in a smart way when you're just not dropping your entire life and saying, yeah. "Like, I'm gonna go do this." You can, but it might not be like I did that. But I also had blankets behind me, right? Because I was still living with my parents at the time when I first became an entrepreneur, you know? So it was like, what do I have to, I really don't have anything to lose except for like my time and maybe my soul throughout the process. (laughs) (laughs) It's important to note that a lot of people say, don't work for free. Don't work for free. I know it's a, I don't know what you, what your thoughts are, but I, I'm a big believer that like, I don't think you're ever working for free because you're still gaining something. Right. I always tell even my daughter, like if your brain is on, which I hope it is, you're still gaining something out of it. Like, regardless, like, is it really free? No, I don't think it is. And I think that's a notion that sometimes like the hallmark image of entrepreneurship puts that like, no, of course you have to work for free, but it's not really free because you're getting knowledge, you're getting experience, you're building yourself. Right. So I'm a big believer that like, sure, like you can work, you can start a side hustle. And if it's free financially, then it's going to make you rich in a lot of other areas that you probably don't even know or are accounting for. That's amazing. When did you start up um, your company? Exactly. Which year was it? Yeah. So I actually started in 2012, but I wasn't direct to consumer until 2015. Mm-hmm. So I've only been direct to consumer since 2015. So this is our sixth season, so to say, fifth, you know, sixth season direct to consumer. Amazing. And how's everything going for you? It's going great. I mean, we've done a very different approach. I knew from the very early start that I like to mention this. This is like a Greta tip. You're never going to gain a competitive advantage over your competition if they are 100 years in business, but you can be unique and different. And that's something that I always stuck a chord with me. I think a lot of people, when the mistake they make is they try to come onto the scene, whether it's roofing, construction, whatever it is, and they were like, oh, I'm going to beat this guy or I'm going to become better than the guy. Oh, Sure, if you're very, very, very lucky, but chances are no, because that guy's been around for 100 years for a reason. There's something he's doing that's right. And I think that's an arrogant state of mind to come into the marketplace with that concept, you know, that mindset. So I said to myself, I'm never going to get a competitive advantage over them because they've been here 100 years, but I can be unique and different and hope and 
a whole new market, right? For myself, like a whole new pool where I can like fish out of. It's going to be much smaller, maybe like a mini pond, but I'm just going to work, you know, work, work with what I can get, you know, feed myself as much, you know, with the fish that I can, that I can catch. So that was the mindset that I had. And with that mindset is what led to the substantial growth because we tried different strategies. We knew that we couldn't really do mailers. We didn't really have brand awareness, but we knew that we could start a blog and have a voice and start educating people differently on the web and maybe focus more on that online presence. Mm -hmm. And then we knew that we could start with the social media and focus on that because obviously we're a younger group of people. And and then we started to think differently. We're like, well, what if people like us are buying homes, which there are, what if we can just tap onto this market, you know, the 30 to 40 year olds right now? Millennials. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we did. And we came into the market very different. We came to the market knowing that we were just going to have, we were going to be different and unique. We weren't necessarily going to go direct heads on with the competition that had been around a hundred years. Certainly not. We respect them very much. And we just, we wanted to build a different category for ourselves that was unique and different. And with that process, I think is why we've had such an incredible growth in such a short period of time. That's so exciting. Oh my God. I love it. I love it so (laughs) much because it's like, and now business is booming. Yeah. I mean, how many clients are you at now roughly? I mean, in a given year, we'll have 400 different unique clients. So right now we've done over 4,000 something clients. It's been great. I mean, it's, um, it's great. Uh, it's a great time for me to sit and watch it all uh, because I never in a million years, like I remember wanting to just hit a million. That was like my dream. I was like, I just want to hit a million dollars in sales. And then that, then I kept doubling that number and seeing if I could push myself further and further. And I got, I took a lot of risk along the way. I think that's why it paid off. I'm a big believer in marketing. I'm a big believer in brand awareness. I think a lot of people, particularly in the construction industry, are not as bold when it comes to this. And that's something where I would say, I would take like all my profit for the year and I'd say, no, 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 let's reinvest it back in Golden Group and let's just try this because I think this works. And I remember even some of my mentors saying, are you sure you want to do that? That's a lot of money to give, you know, to, to, to give to a media agency or to give to Google. And I remember saying, no, 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 we have to do it because that's the only way we're going to grow brand awareness. That's the only way we're going to grow. Um, and that's my biggest tip to anyone is if you focus on just profit and loss and balance sheets, you're short-sighted of the growth and the potential of your own business. You're more invested in the yearly net income than you are in the growth of what it is that you're trying to build. I love that. I love that so much. So because branding is everything. It's everything. everything. Why do you buy Tylenol instead of like the CVS brand? Because it's Tylenol. Even if it's the same exact way, people will gravitate towards the brand more. And I love that you reinvested your capital there and just continue to build that brand awareness because that's what it's all about. That's your differentiator. And I agree with you in construction. Oh my God. I'm like, do you guys have a logo? And it's like, they literally on their, on their cars, just, just like, the phone number and like the name. It's like, okay, well, what do you do? Like, what's the company name? Where are you based out of? Do you have a website? No. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, knew, <laughs> I knew very early on, like, you know, I was okay. And I think this is different for everybody, but I was okay with making a traditional salary as a CEO. I was more, I was always, and I still am, I'm more concerned of the growth of the company. I'm more concerned of like, can we, it doesn't matter about what I'm taking home today. Because this, I'm not in the, I'm not here just for today. I'm here for t- the next 20, 30 years, you know, whatever God has planned for me. I'm not here for just today. And that's what I tell my team and myself. Like, if we can add more equipment, if we can add more offices, if we can add more staff, well, let's do that. Because my time will come, you know. I think any entrepreneur listening, your time will come. And it will be sweet when it does. I guarantee you, as long as you're not short-sighted. Because if you're short-sighted, you might lose that branding aspect or you might lose that team aspect, right? 
I mean, mm-hmm. people tend to leave quickly. Millennials, Gen Zs are not going to stick around if you are being selfish with your growth financially anyways. (laughs) That makes total sense. And like, you know, with everything and your experiences, Greta, like, you know, now at this point in time, what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? I would tell myself, you know, to, um, to not doubt yourself that it can't be done. Uh, I think if, Uh, somebody else did it, you have equal opportunity to do it. I remember my younger self saying, I mean, I took three years to even try it, right? Um, There was a lot of times in the Golden Group where I took a long time hiring people because I was afraid of their paycheck. I was like, every time I'd hire somebody, I'd do the math. I'd be like, oh, that's $500,000 that I have to come up with. But it didn't work like that, right? Or that's $500,000 is going to come out of profit. Where am I going to find that money to pay these people, you know? But it didn't work like that. And that's, um, I would tell myself that, no, you're looking at it completely the wrong way. Every time you add a person, they're not necessarily taking that money from your you know from the company directly if anything they're taking that money because you're out there working and you're bringing in more right like and they're bringing in more too because they're expanding the network to their friends and family and to people they care about so I remember I remember I wouldn't hire fast enough because I was so worried of the financial responsibility of payroll on the company I was looking at it so wrong I would just literally take like all the wages of all the people and be like oh if this if we have this much money in the bank we have to subtract this much and that's how much we can have I can't do that. I can't. Oh my God. What if these people don't have money to pay rent? Like, I don't want to be responsible for these people's like money, you know? And I remember telling myself one day, like, why am I so afraid to hire people? Like, I can't think like that. I have to think of like, no, they're going to come on because we're going to keep growing or kind of keep getting better and everybody's going to love it. We're going to keep going forward. So I don't know if anybody has similar experience, but that was my biggest fear to my young self. I was afraid to hire people because I always viewed it as a liability on me. Like I like it and it drowned me so much. Uh-huh. But once I got rid of that fear, I was, it was easier to hire people. I was like, oh, would you, do you want to come work for me? Do you want to come work? Do you want to like, would you like to join the team? That's awesome. I had to break through that like this past year because I was just like, do it all. Like, no, I got it. Like I have agents on my team and stuff like that. Bring people on the payroll and like, like that scared, like the living crap. out Like I just like you, cause you're like, oh my God, like I'm their source of income. Like what happens if I, Oh, you get all this anxiety because it's like you just feel like such a liability when truthfully, like they really just propel you forward. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. I, but I feel exactly what you're saying because it's it took me a while to break through that too. And I'm sure every entrepreneur, I mean, it's the same thing. Delegation, that, I think that's part of the reason why delegation is the hardest thing to do for that exact reason. Absolutely. People are terrified. They're like, shit, what, what if, you know, what if I <laughs> just don't don't be afraid just bring in one person at a time and see what it does to you and see i challenge you to do it because i think it's gonna not only grow you personally but grow you financially even more your whole brand's gonna grow so i love it i love it and now like what are you up to in your world these days what's new (laughs) ever since uh two years ago everybody wanted to hear the greta story because it's a little unique and different not as traditional as most And with that came an opportunity to mine where I was sitting in a room and I was looking at the audience and I said, man, there's not too many stories like mine being told on stage, but there's definitely a lot of stories like mine in the audience, right? Mm -hmm. I just remember looking at people's eyes and saying, there's so many people like me out there. And that felt powerful. And I remember, but what are we? I said to myself, like, what are people like me? And I remember being at a, at like a coffee shop on Newbury Cafenero. They close now. But I remember being there in the coffee shop and sitting in September 2019 and having coffee. And I said, I'm rootless. I don't have roots. Um, I'm rootless and I'm free. 
because I'm not tied to the stigmas of my culture. I'm not tied to the stereotypes of being a young parent. Uh, I'm not tied to the, you know, the traditional ways of construction. I'm really rootless. I'm a rootless person. I go where I want to go and I make roots there where I think I'm meant to be right now where society tells me Mm. that I should be, but rather where I'm meant to be because sometimes society tells us that we're meant to stay in this place based on our previous experience or how we culturally grew up. But then I said, no, I'm going to uproot and root where I'm meant to be. So that's where Rootless came to mind. And I set out on this big journey to create a platform that would be would serve as an educational platform where people would be able to download blueprints of successful entrepreneurs and the industry research paired together and use that as a startup guide into a similar business model or industry. And with that purpose in mind, Rootless Me uh, came to life. It's a platform that's launching July 2021. And you'll be able to download blueprints and to get your own startup going. Or you can hire rootless experts. We call them rootless experts because that's what they really are. I mean, they're experts from all walks of life, different faces, uh, different ethnicities, different, you know, just different. And I'm really excited about it. I think this is going to be a very special project that's going to impact a lot of lives as they too will identify as rootless citizens of the world. (laughs) I love that rootless. Oh my God, that's so amazing. I love your your advocacy that you wanted to be as a kid is right here through this yeah I know it's like a yeah I know right they always say so I have this thing uh, this is my last thing that I'll say but I don't know if this applies to somebody listening but I say skill will often lead you to passion so I was skillful I took that job I love roofing but essentially that that passion as a child I found it along the way Uh, maybe it didn't come to me right away but it's funny how life brought me exactly where I was meant to be. And I think sometimes in life, use a skill that will lead you to your passion and don't look back, just start, right? If you sit there waiting too long for passion to hit you, for some of us, it may never come. And, you know, time is of the essence. You got to just start and start with a skill. If you have a skill out there today, start and you never know where it might lead you. Amen, girl. Preach, <laughs> preach, preach. I love it so much. I love it so much. Now everyone's got to know where to find you and your amazingness. And your company, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Golden Group Roofing on Instagram, Facebook, but rootlessme.com for the Rootless Project that's starting July 2021. And of course, on Instagram and Facebook, Rootless Me as well. But if you always want to chat or network, Greta by Rami on LinkedIn, that's the best place to just start a conversation and we'll go from there. Oh my God, you're such a rock star. Thank you so much for being here today, Greta. You are unreal and amazing. And I'm so honored to meet you and your story so I, also I, I as well i'm so happy <laughs> from one old being into another if i even dare if i even dare the only dream that i've been chasing is my own so that's it for today's episode of underdog head on over to itunes and subscribe to the show one lucky listener every single week that posts a review on itunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private vip day with pamela herself in boston massachusetts be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode. Yeah.